Greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially. I'm your host, Joseph Kursky, geographer. Today, let's chat about Anaximander, A-N-A-X-I-M-A-N-D-E-R, Anaximander, the first map of the world, Anaximander, the first map of the world. Anaximander, circa 610 to 546 BCE, was a Greek philosopher who lived in Miletus, M-I-L-E-T-U-S, part of Ionia, part of modern-day Turkey. He was an early proponent of science as he attempted to observe and explain that nature is ruled by law and that anything that disturbs the balance of nature does not last long. Hmm, has great implications to today, doesn't it? In fact, he was the first to write his treatises in prose called, traditionally, On Nature. Although only one fragment of the book still exists, it is generally acknowledged that Anaximander had a great influence on philosophy, biology, astronomy, and geography. His principle of the, quote, boundless, end quote, or apiron, A-P-E-I-R-O-N, as the origin of all things, was a concept that would later influence thought through the present time. The boundless has no origin because it is itself the origin. Creation and decay never stop, and the boundless has to guarantee the ongoing of this process, similar to a free and ever-flowing fountain. From his studies in astronomy, Anaximander introduced the gnomon, G-N-O-M-O-N, gnomon, the part of the sundial that casts the shadow. He knew about the device from its invention hundreds of years before by the Babylonians. This was as revolutionary to geography as the map, because the gnomon helped sea captains and others tell time, and therefore helped them to determine their location. Considering fossil evidence, he claimed that animals sprang out of the oceans long ago. Cicero, writing 500 years later, stated that Anaximander predicted an earthquake for Lacedaemon, a Greek city-state, convincing the inhabitants to ev- evacuate, and vindicated when an earthquake actually did take place. Anaximander subscribed to the Greek philosophy that there were four basic elements of nature, water, air, fire, and earth. He took this one step farther by stating that these elements are symmetrical and transferable. He explained how they are formed and how earth, people, and animals are formed through their interactions. He was the first to conceive of a mechanical model of the earth, and although he incorrectly placed the earth at the center of the universe, his use of explanatory hypotheses that were not based on myths was a great leap forward in thought. His model showed the earth floating freely without falling and not needing to be resting on something. This allowed the sun, moon, planets, and stars to pass under or behind the earth, opening the way to Greek astronomy. He also was the first astronomer to consider the sun as a huge mass, to realize that it was a long distance from the earth, and the first to present a model where the celestial bodies turned at different distances. Anaximander believed that the celestial bodies make full circles. This could not have been observed for every celestial body, but were rather a conclusion that he drew, and was certainly a daring and bold one for its time, or for centuries afterward. 
Thus, he was the very first philosopher who imagined a bold new concept, space. Space had depth. It was three-dimensional. Celestial bodies occupied that space. These bodies, therefore, could be in front of or behind one another. Moreover, Earth occupied that space. All of this was a radical break from other prevailing ideas that held that the sun, planets, comets, and stars were attached onto a dome or a tent, all at the same distance from the Earth. His model of space placed the stars nearest to Earth, followed by the moon, and followed by the sun. The celestial bodies operated on something like chariot wheels, with openings that opened and closed, allowing us to see parts or all of them. He thought of the Earth as a sort of cylinder. Although these notions were obviously erroneous, the notion that the Earth was hanging free and unsupported in space was revolutionary. It was not actually observed until the first astronauts of the 20th century saw this with their own eyes. Anaximander did not just issue statements, but gave arguments. Arguments. This is why most consider him to be the first true philosopher. His ideas influenced modern philosophers, for example, Friedrich Nietzsche in the 19th century. Yet more important than his concept of space to geography, Anaximander's most revolutionary contribution to the discipline was through his map. It wasn't just a map of Miletus, Strabo and Agathemerus, later Greek geographers, both claimed that according to Eratosthenes, Anaximander was the first person to publish a map of the world. The map most likely showed the world known to the Greeks at the time, the Middle East, the area east and north of the Black Sea, the north, north part and northeastern Africa, and central and southern Europe. This is what it could have looked like. It could have looked like a big circle with the oceans on the outer perimeter, and with three basic divisions, Europe, Asia, and Libya. Europe and Libya separated by the Mediterranean. Asia separated from Europe by the Black Sea and the Phasis, P-H-A-S-I-S, River. And Asia and Libya separated by the Nile River. Interesting. So that was Anaximander's map. The map may have been designed on a slightly rounded metal surface, and most likely with Delphi or Miletus at its center. The Aegean Sea was near the map's center, and the three known continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa, separated by the known lakes, seas, and rivers of the time. Separating Asia from Europe were the Aegean Sea, the Black Sea, and a river now known as the Rioni, which originates in Georgia's Caucasus Mountains and flows west to the Black Sea. Separating Europe from Africa was the Mediterranean Sea. Separating Africa and Asia was the Nile River, which, according to the map, flowed south to the ocean rather than its true north flow. Libya was the name given to Africa at the time. The habitable world, Greek Oikomeni, was on either side of the Mediterranean Sea. North of this zone it was too cold and south of it too hot. Surrounding the continents on his world map, on their outer margins, was a single connected ocean. Thus, the continents on Anaximander's map were shown to be surrounded by water, in itself a revolutionary map element. Anaximander may have drawn his map to improve navigation between the colonies of Miletus and other colonies. The map may have also been drawn for Thales, his contemporary, to convince Ionian city-states to join a federation to push the threat from Medes from Persia away. 
But given the philosophical environment that was emerging among Greeks at the time, it is just as likely that the map was produced for the sheer love of learning and for the advancement of science. Anaximander's map most likely inspired the Greek historian Hecateus, Hecateus of Miletus to construct a more detailed and accurate map. Anaximander's contributions moved geography forward in several significant ways. In fact, Strabo viewed Anaximander and Hecateus as the first geographers after Homer. How did Anaximander produce such an important map? One explanation was that he hailed from Miletus, a place known for its bold sailors. Therefore, like other geographers and cartographers, he is likely to have been a, weld, a well-traveled man. This fits with notions that geography has long been strengthened by travel and also by careful observations. Anaximander, the first map of the world. Anaximander. Thank you for joining me for this version of the Thinking Spatially podcast, one in our many-fold series. Thank you for your interest in geography, and I wish you all the best. Map on. Thank you.